Chelsea, and you're listening to Beyond the Picket Fence. Not just any episodes of Beyond the Picket Fence, but this is a special segment called 25 Days of Updates. 25 days of 25 days of 25 days of 25 days of updates. <laughs> Happy holidays! If you've been around all season, you've been hearing interviews with amazing, incredible, stupendous... Okay, that's a little much, but... We've been talking to really amazing people, and I've had a few people request updates. So here is 25 days of updates from everyone that we have interviewed this season. If you've missed any, Hakuna Matata, you'll find the link to the original episode in each update's show notes. You're welcome. I'm here back with Emily Adams, and she's going to tell us how she's been since we went beyond her picket fence. So how have you been, Emily? Really good. You know, life is full of ups and downs. And I think we spoke in the spring. Was it spring or summer? Anyway, so it was spring. Yeah. So one of my earlier ones, maybe been about nine months then. Yeah. So in that time, my husband had left his job last January. And he'd been in banking for many, many years and had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And he just turned 40. And at first I was like, are we like midlife crisis in here? <laughs> um, no, not really, because we had been talking for years about whether or not to make the jump. And so we had a chance to either buy a home or start a business. And so we bought a home, or I'm sorry, if we did not buy the home, <laughs> we bought a business. <laughs> and it's been really very much mentally, emotionally, financially consuming for our whole family this year. And that has been such an exciting and draining journey. So that's what we've mostly what been. What was his business? I don't remember if you told me last time. So he is doing, it's the strangest thing. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, I remember now. 3D printing for the hunting industry. So um, they're called antler tech and it's for the guys who like love shed hunting, but can only find one half of the antler of, of a set of antlers. And so then they can 3d scan and print and paint to match. So they have a full set of antlers. It's kind of bizarre. I didn't grow up with anyone in the hunting industry in my family. So I am like, wait, what (laughs) people, (laughs) people do what, (laughs) but, um, it's been really wonderful. We've been learning a lot and very fun, enthusiastic community of people. And now they're doing fun things like uh, making skulls and all sorts. Of, I mean, just like, honestly, a year ago, I would have never, never guessed that this is what <laughs> we would be doing. <laughs> but you know, they say the riches are in the niches and that is like a very niched down audience. I like that. I don't know if I've ever heard that little catchy phrase, but yes, that's true. That is very true. So they're, they're having some fun people reaching out to them about bizarre things like whether or not they can go to Africa and scan a lion head and print a lion skull. And so there's just like all sorts of crazy things popping up. And so it's an adventure. Every day's new. And and that's I think kind of the goal of entrepreneurship is um that your your life doesn't look typical. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. That does make sense. With so many of the entrepreneurial crowd that they are just so passionate about whatever they dive into. So you with your podcast feels very much that way to me and um, your project of 
understanding what's behind the picket fence, you know. Oh, thank you. Welcome, you little well, entrepreneur, you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I feel like it takes a while when you're an entrepreneur, it takes a while for it to like build up. So oh, that's absolutely. just to be expected, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not Sometimes a I'm on track. person. And so like, that's been, it's been a, a adjustment for me to just be like, okay, this, this takes time. And, um, even, even when you have the energy and the passion behind it and the skills, like it just takes time to build. So you're on track. Oh, you're so nice. Well, speaking of entrepreneurship and all of that jazz, last time we talked your little, um, book lost for littles hadn't come out yet. Now it has. And how is all of that going? That's been really a fun journey too. I did my first book. I published it traditionally with a publishing house and then got into bookstores and everything. And that was a great, wonderful experience, but I don't think I really quite understood everything that my publisher did for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm making 75 cents a book. This is like abysmal. And, um, and again, for me, the goal has never been to make money with my books. It's just to help as many people as possible to have a smoother grief journey than we did. Um, and so I was like, okay, I really want to make this resource for families, this loss for littles. It's a picture book that walks children through the experience of losing someone they love and what they can expect at a funeral and a graveside and a viewing and these, these death rituals that we have in our communities and, and then what they can expect after and, and how they can heal from that loss. And so I was really jazzed about the pictures are beautiful. My illustrator is Esther Ballenbiggs and she is just the most lovely person. And it's been so much fun to work together. Um, and we originally were like, well, should we pitch this to a publishing house or should we try and be entrepreneurs and do this ourselves and self-publish that way we could have more control over the product and be able to get it into hospitals and into funeral homes and mortuaries. And, and so we decided to go the second route to, to try it by ourselves. And, um, Amazon has a self-publishing wing called Kindle direct publishing. And it was, uh, such an education to try and do it on our own. And we did, we, we did it. We got the product in hand and everything. And it was like way more time and expense and headache than I ever imagined it would be. And along the way, I was like, wow, my publisher is awesome. <laughs> A newfound respect for the publisher. Yeah. And I'm actually really, really glad we did it that way because it just made me open my eyes to, to the whole process. We published Lost for Littles, a guide for Christian families dealing with death. And um, once it was out there in circulation, we had uh, some mortuaries that we've partnered with and that are giving them to families as it arises with children who've had a loss. And so I'm just like goal achieved. It was so exciting. Um, And then I just got to the point though where I realized like, I just want to write. I don't want to worry about the salesmanship of it and like getting it into the hands. I just want to write it and have someone else do all that for me. So then um, this summer I pre approached my publisher and they loved it. And so we're adapting it now to um, for Latter-day Saint families. 
Um, so with our specific doctrine on eternal families in the book. Um, so it'll basically be a very similar version to the Christian family one, but it'll just have a little bit more in depth for Latter-day Saint families. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That should come out in spring or summer. So that's what I've been working on. And I'm like, this time around, I'm all, wow, you guys are the best. <laughs> You're like so much more appreciative. Oh, so much more. I just like can send them my files and they make it pretty and get it up on all the sites. And oh, so. Are you my- still, when you, we had talked, you, you had hopes to do all of the different things. Are you still hoping and planning to do that? Like yes, but I would have to, the cool thing is my publisher. Okay. So to clarify on that, we had talked about how, um, I'd like to do all the world religions, like lost for littles for Jewish families and lost for littles for, um, Muslim families. And, um, we probably do the, the top 10 world religions. And mm-hmm. the only hang up there now is that my publishers, uh, specific to the Latter-day Saint community. So uh-huh. they only want lost for littles for Latter-day Saint families. And, but they wrote my contract in such a way that I could get the other versions to other publishers, but I'm okay. not sure if another publisher is going to want it. If it's already in circulation with another publishing house, you know, yeah. like if they can have the whole series. So we'll see We're kind of one step at a time with that process, but that's where we are with it. And um, other exciting news I, with my writing, I, um, this summer got selected to be on the story makers conference committee. So that's been that's a- amazing. That's been wonderful. Thank you. I'm really, <laughs> really enjoying it. And I'm in charge with two other wonderful women, um, in charge of the first chapters contest for the story makers conference, which is in Provo in May every year. And this is their 20th anniversary. So it's like, a they're, they're doing lots of fun, exciting things this year. So, um, that's cool, especially because that's how I got my publishing deal was by winning the first chapters contest in my category. Uh, and then it just opened doors for me. So I feel really passionate about the contest. I think it's a really valuable experience for newbie authors like myself. And oh, I, it's so cool to start uh, like at the bottom and then yeah, it's been be really at the top. Easy. I don't know if it's the top, but it feels like the top to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely an education. I'm, I'm learning so much from much more seasoned writers than I am and, and, and hope to continue to be involved with the leadership of it so I can keep growing. That's so cool. And how has, I know we talked, it's been a long time. Um, oh my gosh. I just forgot your twins names. Oh, you're fine. Alan and Aiden. Aiden and Alan. Okay. And you lost Aiden. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you, it, it's been years, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this August was a uh, year number. We just hit the six year mark and my little survivor went to kindergarten. Oh my! So goodness. yeah, there, there's been, um, I mean, I feel in so many ways really stable in my grief. Um, it's, it's definitely not the force that it was early on in those early years. Uh, it still hits me in surprising ways. So for example, when I was registering my little guy for kindergarten and um, I was going through the paperwork online and, um, I came to a question that totally surprised me. It asked, is your child a twin? And it had a yes and it had a no, and you could just check one of them. And I knew the reason they had it on there was so that if you had a twin, you could 
specify whether you wanted them in the same kindergarten class or separate kindergarten classes. Like it, it made sense why they were asking, but it felt like this total broadside of like, of course I have a twin, but if I say no, I feel like I'm denying the existence of my son who passed away. And, and if I say yes, then I might get this follow-up phone call like okay where do you want to put them and I didn't see your other application for your other twin and do you know what I mean like like all the messy questions that would come through it and I seriously agonized <laughs> about cooking one of those stupid boxes for like 15 minutes and it was like bawling <laughs> and then in the end I I had clicked no because I knew that that the purpose was to determine which class to put them in and then I got all the way to the end of the application and I was like I don't care if they call me. I need to put yes on that because that feels like I'm denying my child. And so I went like all the way back and pushed yes. And it's silly, but it just comes in totally unexpected times and moments. And even, you know, taking him to kindergarten on the first day was, I'm, I'm always sad to send my babies to school. I love having them home. And, um, but it felt doubly painful as I missed him and wanted him to be there having that experience. So um yeah definitely like it's an on grief is just ongoing and it's I'm so grateful that we had talked when we did I became really really close friends with another with um I don't know if you listened to any of the other episodes but mm-hmm. Hume's little homestead um mm-hmm. they ended up having she miscarried two right two single babies and then she miscarried twins mm-hmm. and yeah. then her and I had been like chatting and I was really excited for this episode to come out and then her to hear it. But her and I started Marco Poloing back and forth. I don't know if you know of that app, but we started Marco Poloing back and forth and we became really, really good friends. And like, because I had listened to your story and I knew about grief, I feel like I was a much better, like I wasn't freaking out when she was saying super sad things. I was just like, this is just part of it. Like you, she's just gonna have to keep, and now she's finally feeling joy. And then she's like, should I be feeling joy or should I not be feeling joy? Like I feel guilty that I'm happy today. And then I'm like, Oh, thank heavens for Emily Adams <laughs> because so I was able just to tell her like, this is, this is completely normal. And she was able to listen to you say it all yourself, you know? And so, oh, so it's nice. been really, really special and sweet that I, just the way that these stories are coming out has been like perfect timing. Some days I forget to like publish something, but then it comes out three weeks later and then someone will text me like that came out at the perfect time. So I've been like relaxing into it and just like, what, like God's in charge. Just let it be. <laughs> I love that. I am. Please tell your friend how sorry I am for her loss. And I'm here if she needs a, another angel mama to talk to. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. She's like, I feel like literally my children died but no one else feels that way because they weren't really born and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm like no, oh yes your children died you can say you lost like you're allowed to grieve yes that's so true and that's i think such an interesting um part of the journey is not only dealing with your own emotions of grief but then processing how other people view your grief um and and getting to the point where you're comfortable in it. Um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like I had some family members who didn't, um, who didn't 
I don't want to say they didn't appreciate what we were trying to do, but we, we do since our boys were identical every time we take family photos and we have Alan stand in one pose on our family shot. And then he moves to the other side and stands in for Aiden. And then our photographer um, blurs one of those images so that it looks like we have the spirit of Aiden there with us. And I, and I love that because they were identical, we would always know that he would look exactly like Alan and, um, and I had some family members who were uncomfortable with, with our decision to include him in our family photo like that and felt like it was a sign that we weren't moving forward. Um, and to me, it was just like a really special way to honor him and include him in our family mm -hmm. in a visible way that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. And so How it's just does, interesting. What does Alan think of that? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Uh, so I always talk to him about it beforehand and um, when he was really little obviously not like yeah an infant. <laughs> but as he's eight uh, yeah yeah the last last two years that we've done it I've talked to him and just said Alan like this that's you in the photo and we we use you to represent Aiden but if at any time you feel uncomfortable with that like we don't have to do this this is not a tradition that needs to continue on and if it if you feel in any way uncomfortable with representing Aiden, then we'll just do our regular family photos and it's no big deal. And, and, and when I talked to him about it, so just barely in October, we took family photos again. And the first year when I asked him that, he was just like, I don't care. You know, he didn't really, <laughs> he didn't really get it. And then this year when we talked, he just internalized it for a second. And then he was like, but mom, I, I want to see Aiden in our pictures. And I was like, well, me too, buddy. And so for him, I think it's meaningful as well, but um, when we were in the hospital right after we had lost Aiden, I remember the social worker said to us that we should be prepared to understand that our children wouldn't really understand loss until about age five or six. And then there is a process called like regrief where they grieve again and again, depending on their developmental age. So like as adults, we can have this and, and we regrieve as well as adults, but like it's not it's not because our brains are still developing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for a child, um, you know, at age five, they're going to grieve. And then with new understanding at age six and at age seven and at age eight, you know, as they continue to develop and have a deeper understanding about life and death and eternity. And, yeah. um, and so I just think it's really interesting that just this year, Alan seems to be internalizing it more than I've ever seen him do so before. Um, and asking more questions and feeling deeper emotions about missing his brother. And so even mm -hmm. just like, just like two nights ago, he, he, uh, he asked me, he said, do you know, mom, do you, do you ever wish that it was just dad and the girls, just you and dad and the girls and I was like no we always wanted a son I'm so glad you're here and he said well I wish there were two of us though and I said mm. me too buddy I wish both of you had been here but he's still here even though he's not here here he's here you know and um anyway it's just interesting he's expressing it more than I've ever seen or heard him do wow and that's just crazy because it's just gonna keep going yeah that yeah. because as adults we're grieving with our whole brain mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. kids are like growing their brain so every time it grows it's like mm -hmm. 
Oh, and grief will expand into this part of your brain too. Yeah, it's really interesting. interesting. Our our girls, I see it in our girls too that they um and it's I didn't really think about it so much last couple of years when our daughter Darcy, who's just two years older than Alan, and um, but now as I've been watching Alan going through it, I'm like, oh, that's what was happening with Darcy because in my mind she was alive when Aiden passed, and so I was like, well, she's already been through this whole process with like us she remembers that mm-hmm. she but she's too. really she's been going through the same thing of like processing it again and again and again and it's it's uh an interesting experience to try and guide your children through that when you're still you know going through it yourself your own. <laughs> yeah as I'm sure you know with your experience I don't know yeah it's just a little different I have different I I grieve a life that could that I imagined, but like he's still there. But I I have weird guilt, like after talking to so many people and hearing so many stories and so many people lost their little ones that I have almost like a guilt of like I feel bad that I got to keep mine, which I know none no one would wish me to have lost him. You know what I mean? So it's a weird it's a dumb There's guilt that, that doesn't whole survivor's guilt concept, but please know that every lost parent you know is what's the word i'm looking for every lost parent feels gratitude that your child didn't pass away as well you know nobody wishes that on you and and so there's no need to feel guilt just gratitude <laughs> yes i should lean but, gratitude instead but i and i also understand what you're saying like we still, <laughs> still have to process the guilt and i i get what you're but saying. i get what you're saying too a little bit because when people come when people are like if something's going on, for example, my nephew, who was, he was just born, he had to get like a hernia surgery. And my sister-in-law's like, it's nothing compared to what you went through. And I'm like, no, don't say that your kid going into surgery is no matter what kind of surgery, that's scary. Mm-hmm. So I get what you're saying too. Of yes, like, that's a good comparison. I don't want someone like, just cause their pain is different. It's not less valid, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. So, okay. Anyway, <laughs> so how has your picket fence changed since we last talked? Well, even just in this last week, so we had scheduled a week ago to visit. And then uh, last week I got, um, I, I went to my first girly appointment since my six week with my baby. So she's two and a half now and I've kind of been putting it off. And anyway, um my husband's cousin was diagnosed with breast cancer um, several months ago. And, and she was um, at a labor day gathering with some of our family. And she mentioned that the way she even knew that she had it was that she had some tenderness in her armpits. And I was like, that's weird. I've never even heard that before. I've been having tenderness in my armpits. And so because of our situation with my husband being self-employed now and money being tight, like it never has before, and we're not insured like we were before, I I just kind of put it off and put it off. And then I was like, I really need to go in and get this checked out because it wasn't going away. So last week I went in and, um, and they found two lumps in my armpit. And I was like, you know, they, they recommended that I go get an ultrasound. And I was like, well, do we need to do a mammogram? And she's like, um, let's just skip that and go right to the ultrasound. And you know how medical 
professionals are like so calm and it's hard to read if you should be concerned or not. Yes. <laughs> and so I was trying to get a read on the situation. I was like, okay, so like, uh, would I have time for us to get insured first before scheduling an ultrasound? She's like, um, I'd schedule it tomorrow if you could. And I'm all, <gasps> what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> of course worst case scenario instantly um so then we were able to get in pretty quickly and uh, thankfully it turned out that they were it wasn't cancer it wasn't anything to be concerned about and um but that couple of days of just like running through my head like okay if this is cancer and if it isn't an easy fix. Like, what is this going to look like for our family? What's the childcare going to look like? How am I going to, you know, what if I really do get really sick? What if I do pass away? How can I prepare my children for that? How can I, um, just dot all my T's or what's the expression? Cross my T's and dot my I's before that happens. And, and anyway, even though it turned out to be nothing, it was like a really wonderful experience for, for my husband and I to just pause and reflect on where we are in this journey and um, what we're doing right as parents. I think so often we're so critical of ourselves and when our children are struggling, we feel like we're failing and (laughs) it was just a really nice moment to be like, they're good humans and we're good humans and we're trying our best and it's not always pretty, (laughs) but, but like we are, we are making progress and how grateful we are for the time that we have together. And it was just, it's just been a really lovely Christmas gift to recognize the beauty of this life we have together. And, um, all like like I said earlier, the the highs, the lows, the the beauty, the pain, the ugly, the <laughs> um, and I'm just really grateful I don't have to go through any of that right now. And I my heart goes out to the families who are in the midst of it. So I'm just feeling very full of gratitude and um and grateful that this is my picket fence right now, you know. <laughs> That we didn't have to have another broken board (laughs) in the middle of an already challenging year. So Uh, that board, it's like broken board, broken board. This (laughs) board was like falling and then it was like, just kidding. And then it'll move to your next one. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, I know. I was so worried when you said that. And then I'm just like, man, it's, I always feel like, man, people just don't get a break. Like you just keep having things. And then I'm like, yeah. well, that person and that person and that person. So literally everyone has really hard lives. And, but look at you, you just like found the beauty in it so quickly. Well, I honestly think that was one of the greatest gifts of losing our son is just having this moment where it's like, you can to choose two paths here. You can be like really bitter and just consumed by your grief for the rest of your life or (laughs) you can see the beauty in this and learn and grow and help other people because of it. And I just, not that it's always, it's it's like you have to make that choice over and over again a lot of times, but I, I find so much more peace and happiness 
choosing to find the good in it. Um, and I feel like it comes easier to me now because nothing will ever be as hard as that was. And so everything else just feels like it's an easy decision to try and see the good in it. Um, mm -hmm. So that was nice of you to say, but I do feel like it's a, a learned skill and a practice skill. I don't feel like it's something that necessarily comes easy to anyone. Um, but you just have to choose, choose hope and choose optimism and choose faith and gratitude every day. And that's the update from Beyond the Picket Fence. Happy day, whatever day it is. <laughs> Wait, I did want to add this in because it was a super fun little conversation. While it's good to choose joy, it's pretty much impossible to find joy in every single waking moment. You just have to choose that one over the other because other one. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I choose <laughs> yucky. And then I'm like wallowing and I'm all, well, this was the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said on one of the updates, like, you just put that day to bed. Oh, <laughs> put the day that. to bed. Yeah. Yep. Start fresh the next. Start fresh the next day. That's so true. Oh. I might like. I there's maybe I find a little joy in wallowing sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's so funny. This is probably just for you and me. But if you want, you can share. Uh, so my birthday was on Saturday, and I <laughs> I chose the wallowing. <laughs> <laughs> So it's... it was not any fault of my husband's at all. But for some reason, I just think that like my kids shouldn't fight on my birthday and Mother's Day. Like yeah. they shouldn't Absolutely. fight on those days. <laughs> I don't know. There's like a rule and they break it every time. And they were fighting so bad all day. And bless his heart. My husband was like, let's, you know, I, I said, oh, I think we just need to get everybody outside. And he's like, well, let's go play Frisbee golf. But it snowed. And so oh. we're like out of the canyon trying to play frisbee golf and we go to cross this little river and my foot falls in and it's like <laughs> sopping wet and we're trudging through snow and I'm on that time of the month anyway and I was just like stupidest <laughs> birthday so yeah don't don't think that I'm like always then I'm no. not I definitely have my bad days but I think it's good to have those days, just not to live in those days. Yes. And you're right. Cause at the end of the day, just put it to bed and, and then Sunday was great. Saturday it's was hard when you have a well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> and it's hard. I think expectations. I have really oh, good yeah. mother's days. I can't remember one year I woke up and I decided I'm not going to have expectations today. Yes. And it was such a good day. So Mother's Day, that. I've learned to love. Mm -hmm. My birthday, I have expectations. And if they're not met, <laughs> there will be heck to pay. <laughs> nope. Just kidding. I I make my birthday magical because I tell everyone, or I tell my husband, like, I'm just, because my husband usually works on my birthday. I don't know if he's ever really had my birthday off. So we celebrate like a different day. And then I find friends on my birthday. And then friends that forgot my birthday will be like, I forgot your birthday. I'm like, no problem. Let's go. Celebrate. I'm like a birthday month kind of person. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's so cute. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, thank you again for your time and for your story. And I will always promote anything you do because I just love you. Okay. That's really the end. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy holidays.